In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Christmas is an act of war. It is an invasion. Eternity invades time. Light invades the darkness. Life invades the domain of death. Holiness invades a world of sin. Christmas is an invasion, but not an invasion by the enemy. Like the Normandy landings, it is an invasion to set things right. It is the coming of the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the one of whom we read there in verse 4, the righteous judge, the defender of the poor, the destroyer of the wicked, the smasher who with a rod of iron breaks the power of darkness and dashes in pieces the conspiracy of sinners against the kingdom of heaven. Christmas celebrates his coming because that's what it takes to get to the world described there in verses 6 through to 9, that, that beautiful world of love and joy and peace, a world without pain, suffering, injustice, without danger. That's what it takes to get there. Sin needs to be smashed. Now, we know Christmas is about peace and love and togetherness. Everybody knows that, even the unbeliever. God has set eternity in the hearts of man. We intuitively know that the world should be a better place, but we can't make it, so we fake it. How many deep divisions, how many long-lasting resentments boil under the surface of the family gatherings and the workplace parties at this time of year? How much conflict? How much loneliness? How many problems in the world are just papered over with the tinsel and the brightness and the lights of the Christmas season, the political, the economical, and the health, and the other crises? But we can't paper over them with trite hallmark wishes. We can't pretend these things away as much as we try. There's only one way to a better world, and that way is through Christ. There is no other hope, and that's what our text declares to us this morning. Chapter 11 of Isaiah was preached about 3,000 years ago, and the prophet looks forward to the day of the Lord, to the coming of the anointed one. And in our chapter, there is reference to the, to the birth and the suffering, the death, the, and the period between the first and the second coming, and then the, the glorious consummation of all things in the new heavens and the new earth. It's all wrapped up. It's all encapsulated in our text. As Isaiah looks prophetically through the mists of time to the future, it's all put together in this chapter. And in the middle of our chapter is our text. In the middle of our chapter is the cross of Christ waving as a banner high above the fray of history, high above the chaos and turmoil 
of this world. Our text declares that in that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal for the peoples. The root of Jesse. So it's the definite article that means that the Holy Spirit has already mentioned him because it's a particular root of Jesse that's in, in mind here. And you look back at verse 1, and, and that's where he was introduced in this chapter. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. The root of Jesse, not the root of David. And in the context of this chapter, there is the description of Israel and the house of David being reduced and cut down. There's just a stump left. And that stump has lost all of its Davidic glory so that the Spirit refers to the house of David by his father's name, he was, who was not a king. He lived in insignificance. And that's what the house of David has come to. But out of that insignificance, and that cutting down, there is a shoot which appears. New life, new growth, new hope. And this new shoot in the house of David and the house of Jesse, he's not just a physical descendant of David. That's not enough. There were lots of physical descendants of David who were absolutely of no use to the people of God. They became evil, they became unfaithful, and they brought no hope. But this one is different. This one is the Christ. This one is the anointed one. This one, upon him, rests the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This is the one of whom revelation or he who in Revelation speaks these words, I am the root and the descendant of David. The root and the shoot. How is that even possible to be the root and the shoot at the same time? Well, the, the Bible gloriously teaches us that when we go to the New Testament, we go to the genealogies of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll find one in Matthew chapter 1. You'll find the other one in Luke chapter 3. And in Matthew, the genealogy traces the royal line of the heirs to the throne. It becomes, it starts with Abraham, then it goes to David, and then it comes to Christ. And so Christ is presented there in Matthew as the, the promised seed to Abraham, the promised royal son of David who will rule forever and ever, whose throne will last into all eternity. So that's Matthew. But then Luke, Luke starts with Jesus and goes back all the way back to Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And so the genealogy of Jesus begins with God and ends with God incarnate. Jesus is literally the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is David's son, and he is David's Lord. He is the creator and sustainer of the royal house of David who will be born from the obscure remnants of the faded glory of the line of Davidic kings. This is the Christ, the root of Jesse, and he shall stand as a signal for the peoples. Now that word signal in our text means 
a standard, something that is lifted up high above the battlefield. It is lifted up so that you know where the king is, so that you can rally to the standard, so that you can run to it for protection from the great king. And this word here in our text, the signal, the standard, is the same word that the scripture uses to describe that bronze snake that was lifted up on the pole there in the desert when the people of Israel were being bitten by poisonous snakes. They looked to that standard. It was lifted up, and they sought after it. And if you were bitten, then your first thought and your only thought was to seek the standard, to seek that snake on the pole. Where is that snake? You had to look to it. You had to fix your eyes on it. You had to focus your hope and your expectation on it. It was a matter of life and death. And so the Lord Jesus says, John 3, 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The root of Jesse will stand as a signal for the peoples. The spirit-anointed son of David will be a banner, a royal standard lifted up so that people can look to him for life and salvation. And of him shall the nations inquire. That's an interesting verb right there. Inquire, it can mean to to inquire, to ask, or to, to seek. To seek. The nations will seek him. Now, our text occurs again in Holy Scripture. It's quoted in the New Testament. It's quoted in Romans chapter 15, verse 12. And it's quoted in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint. And this is what it says in Romans 15, 12, where the apostle says, And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. That's kind of neat that we have that translation of the Old Testament, which Jesus and the apostles mainly used as the scripture of uh, that time. In him will the Gentiles hope. Hope, and it gives us a bit of a picture as to the field of meaning behind the, the verb here in our text. The nation shall inquire. The nation shall seek in the sense of looking after him, looking to him, seeking him eagerly as their only hope. If someone is your only hope, then you look for him. You seek him diligently until you find him. That's the, the import here of these words in our text. The Gentiles will seek him. They will hope in him. The Gentiles. And once again, Isaiah is not just bringing promises of salvation for the ethnic group, that nation of Israel, but the whole world is called to look to the cross, to look to the Christ, to seek the Lord. God made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to me, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Everyone must come. Everyone must bow. Everyone must worship. That's what Jesus says, John 12, 32. 
And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus is not the savior of the people of Israel only. Jesus is not the savior of Dutch immigrant communities spread out around the world, but Jesus is the savior of the world. The psalmist says it, may all kings fall down before him, all the nations serve him. In him will the Gentiles hope, and his resting place shall be glorious, says our text. Now the resting place of God, we learn from Psalm 132, look at verse 8 for a second, Psalm 132 verse 8, where it says, arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might, and then look a little further at Psalm 132, verse 14. The Lord is, or 13 and 14. The Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. The resting place of God is where his holy and glorious presence dwells on this earth in the midst of his people. Isaiah chapter 4 mentions it. Isaiah 4 verse 5, Then the Lord will create over the whole of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of a flaming fire by night, for over all the glory there will be a canopy. And so the glorious resting place of God's presence in this world was the temple. It is where he was worshipped the glory-filled temple of the Old Testament, and in the New Testament, the glory-filled and spirit-filled church of the Lord Jesus Christ. His resting place shall be glorious. Now, the way back to glory is the way of the cross. Jesus was born covered in his mother's blood. And after eight days, we read it there in Luke, after eight days, a knife cut into his body and he bled. And he, he, he bled bloody sweat in the garden of Gethsemane. And the blood flowed from his side when on the cross he was lifted up. And the greatest humiliation and the greatest suffering and the greatest apparent defeat was turned into the greatest glory and the greatest victory and into a death blow to the kingdom of darkness. And because of the lifting up of the root of Jesse as a standard for all the peoples, to whom all the people should look, whom all the people should seek, in whom all the people should hope, and the filling of his temple here on earth, the church, with the glory of the Spirit. That resting place shall be glorious. The consequences are what? We'll look in verse 11 through the end of the chapter. In Old Testament terms, Isaiah describes the great ingathering of God's people. The great ingathering of the elect. The great progress of the kingdom as the gospel goes into all the world and calls God's people to rally to the banner of the kingdom. This is the great age of gathering in which we live now that is described in those last verses of chapter 11. The, the age in which Christ from heaven speaks to a suffering and burdened and weary world of sinners and says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you 
rest. Now, the victory has been won, but the land is still crawling with defeated enemies, and the land is filled with smoking ruins and the signs of destruction caused by the prince of darkness. But there is a highway. Just like there was a highway from Egypt to the promised land, there was a highway from Assyria to the promised land, a highway out of exile, a highway out of bondage, a highway out of oppression, a highway back home. And there was this growing stream of refugees abandoning the city of man and fleeing to take refuge in the city of God. And already here and already now, Believers dwell in the shadow of the Almighty and the glory and the love, joy and peace of heaven fills the temple of God here on earth. In the church, we meet with the babe of Bethlehem who has been seated on the throne of the universe. In the church, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In the church, His resting place is glorious. There is no other recourse. There is no other solution. There is no other hope. Christ alone, in Christ alone our hope is found. And we find him in all his grace and glory in the church. He is present in this world, in the word, and in the sacraments. He is lifted up as a signal for the peoples and the preaching and the mission and the worship of the church calling all the nations to come, to bow the knee, to confess with the tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord, calling all to look to him as our only hope. So where are you looking for hope? Maybe your hope is that things would get back to normal. I hope things get back to normal. Maybe your hope is that if you just had a little bit more money, more health, more freedom, more travel, more education, more technology, more likes and shares and followers, more friends. Maybe that's your hope for a better life. Or if only people thought like me, if only things were done my way, if only I could get married, if only I could get a baby, if only my husband would be like this, if only my wife would be like that, if only I could get a job, if only I could get a different job, if only I could get a house, if only I could get a different house. If only I could get an acreage. If only my pain was gone. If only, if only, if only. If only we would look to Christ. If only would we would hope in Christ alone. If only we would stop saying if only and begin saying only Christ. Christ alone. He will bind up the brokenhearted. He will open the eyes of the blind. He will take away the relentless pain of body and mind. He will give us freedom from every oppression, physical and spiritual. We live in the time of the great ingathering, described in those last verses of chapter 11. And the psalmist speaks about that in Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And the word is until is very important there because there's an end to the process. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. There will come a day when that last enemy is defeated and destroyed definitively. You see, God started something at Christmas. Christmas. 
and God will finish it. God is bringing things towards that day when the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in all of this process, it is Christ our hope who is seated on the throne and who is making it happen. Timothy 1 Timothy 1 verse 1, Paul describes Christ in that way. He says to Timothy, Christ Jesus our hope. Because Jesus came once. He came to start the process of reestablishing the kingdom of heaven on earth, and he will come again to finish the job. And right now we're traveling between those two points. We're surrounded by enemies and pains and afflictions of the fallen world, the groaning creation, and the journey is hard. The journey out of exile, the journey through the desert, the journey back to the promised land is, is painful, and things get very dark sometimes, but today we celebrate the birth of the light of the world. God has sent his son to walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death and bring us into the feast of the kingdom. Grace has brought us safe this far, and grace will lead us home. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and unworldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. He who testifies to these things says, surely, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen.